that night that Jesus was going to the cross was just like this time we're in right now. It was full of angst, it was full of tension, it was full of trial, it was full of sorrow, it was full of loneliness. Where is God in this? Friends, I wanna tell you where God is. He's here right now. He's in the journey with you right now. Satan tempts your faith. Jesus tests our faith. Satan's goal is to shipwreck you. Jesus' goal is to give you life, to stretch you out, and to cause you to grow. Well, hello, Water of Life. We're glad that you're with us, spending time with us as we experience home church together as a family. I'm Pastor Matt, Senior Director of Family Ministries, and I just wanna start off by saying hi to all you that have already tuned in with us just a few minutes early. Now, we're not getting started yet, but I see you're logged in, and that's a great idea. We're glad that you did. Here's just a few reasons why. We want you to address any tech issues that you might have. Volume, check your volume on your device. Depending on the platform that you're watching on, check your connectivity, check the quality, as there's different ways to watch, such as on YouTube, Facebook, and of course, our website, wateroflifecc.org. Now don't forget, connecting with a live chat is so important as you watch the service. We have pastors that are available online. They would love to pray with you, answer any prayer requests or questions that you might have about the service. If you have little ones in the house, we're so glad that you're with us. See, our kids ministry has an incredible worship opportunity and message for your child every single week from preschool all the way to fourth grade. Now, if you have a student, uh, fifth grade through young adults. That's our next gen department. We have incredible content coming out for your teenager and young adult. Now, we want you to stay connected. A great way to do that is wallupdates.com. W-O-L updates.com. Here you'll find links for all the different ways that you can watch online, find resources for your family, and stay updated on everything happening here at Water of Life right now. You can also watch any past messages that you've missed on our app, our website, or on YouTube. Well, we're gonna get started here in a few minutes, but before we do, I wanna encourage you, grab that cup of coffee, grab a seat on your chair, your couch, on your device, take a moment and give yourself some space. Remove distractions, and since we're on the topic of past messages, let's take a look at last week's experience. 
God won't leave you, God won't forsake you, the key to your security is his faithfulness to you. Friends, when you're in love with God, and the Bible says you chase after God, he says you will find me. Not you might find me, he said you will find me. Man, I gotta be good, I gotta do the right thing, and if I do that, then God will be more faithful. No, you go after God with your heart. Love God with your heart, friends, and he promises something. I will be your security. My nature, your nature, is to live in fear that God's gonna abandon me, to live in fear that there's no security. The enemy wants you to think like that. Jesus wants you to know this, I'm in with you. I'm here, I'm in the house, I'm in the car. I'll never, never leave you. Water of Life, it is so good to be with you guys this weekend. Uh, we're so excited that you're joining us for another weekend of Wall Online. My name is Marcus. I'm one of the pastors here on staff in our Next Gen department, and I'm so excited to be with you guys as your host as well. Hey, we know that you may be watching uh, in one of many ways, whether it's on our website, on Facebook, on YouTube, whatever which platform you're watching from, we would love to ask you to invite some of your friends and family. Um, send them a text with the link, tag them in the comments section, whatever you gotta do, uh, we would love to have as many people join us for this weekend service as we can. Um, and as always, if you're a part of Water Life, you know this is um, part of our culture. If you would choose to, if you choose to worship the Lord with your tithe and offerings this week, you can do it any point throughout the week through wateroflifecc.org or on the Water of Life uh, app. Um, well, hey, my job this week is just to bring you up to speed on all the things happening around here. God is moving. God is still in the works of all things happening in this community. Um, we've, we've seen blood drives happen, um, screenings, uh, virtual seminars, D-Wall, so many different things, and there's so much ahead of us as well, and I wanna bring you up to speed on just a couple of those things. Now, we know that we're in quarantine week like 550 right now, and it may feel like that. It's not real, but it may feel like that. And if you're like me, you miss interactions with people. You miss engaging with people, um, experiencing church and community. Um, and we know that we're not able to be together in the worship center, be together on campus, but there is an opportunity for you to enjoy any Water of Life service, whether it's Wednesday night Bible study, Saturday night or Sunday mornings in the, in the community, in community with people in the comfort of your own home. Now, the way you do that is by our home churches. Home church is something you can go onto wallupdates.com. You can click the link and what's gonna happen is they will send you a Zoom link and it gets you an opportunity to connect with people and watch the service. We know that it, it can feel really lonely and isolating right now, but church and life are not things that are meant to be done alone. So we'd love to have you join us for any of our home church Zoom groups anytime throughout the week, Wednesday nights, Saturday or Sunday mornings. Now, if you're a family, if you have kids, teenagers or young ones, uh, you know that this feels somewhat like a pseudo summer break and it's not summer break yet. There's still homework and all kinds of things happening through schools right now, but summer is right around the corner. It is so close, so near, and uh, we don't know what everything's gonna look like moving into summer, but every single year here at Water of Life, Summer Spectacular is an incredible event for the kids of our church, um, all the way up to fifth grade, to experience God's presence, to grow in community, grow in fellowship, and have a lot of fun on campus. Now, we don't know what the stay-at-home order is gonna look like. We're praying and believing that God is gonna create an opportunity for our young ones to have this experience this year, July 27th through the 31st. Now, if you're new here, you haven't had your kids be a part of Summer, uh, Summer Spectacular in the past, why don't you check out this video real quick.
this year's theme is all about focus. How to believe in the things that we can't see through the things that we can see. And if you want to register your kids for this year's Summer Spectacular, July 27th through the 31st, you can do that in one of two ways. You can text the word FOCUS to 818-818 or you can go to empoweredkids.org slash events. This is going to be an awesome, awesome event. We're praying that God makes a way and we'd love to have you guys join us this summer. Well, we're about to jump into a time of worship together as a family, but before we do, I just want to share a quick thought with you all to maybe prepare our hearts um, as we worship. But, uh, you know, over the past couple of weeks, I've been praying in the Psalms and the Lord's just been highlighting um, His characteristics. And that's really what the Psalms are about, is proclaiming the goodness of God and, and highlighting His character and, and giving us something to really bank on. And there's so many things that have just stood out to me that He's highlighted for me, that He's our strength, He's our refuge, He's our fortress, He's... He's our song, our victory, but even more important than the things that pop out in the Psalms are the things that the Psalms don't say. See, I never read that, that God is inconsistent, that God is unfaithful, or that God is not there. See, a lot of the times our circumstances will, will kind of dictate the approach and dictate the way that we see God. But as we worship today, I wanna to worship for the truth that, that we can find in his word, that he is our fortress, he is our refuge, he is our shelter and his love is everlasting. His faithfulness is everlasting. And that, that's the kind of God that we get to worship. That's the kind of God we get to trust, that we get to lean into that. When everything feels like it's out of our hands, we can trust and remain certain in the fact that they're still in his hands. So as we worship, I wanna pray for us, but I wanna ask you to stand up wherever it is that you're at, in your living room, in your, in your house, in your room, wherever you might be, let's stand as we prepare our hearts for worship. So Jesus, we thank you for the fact that when everything else is inconsistent, Lord, you are faithful. When everything else is bad, God, you are good. When we are lacking and we are, um, God, when we are weak and we're looking for safety, God, we can turn to you and find refuge and shelter in you, Jesus. So I pray, God, that right now that our hearts be surrendered to you, Lord, that you would help us to see your character more clearly, Jesus, not through the lens of our, our circumstances, but through the lens and the perspective of what's true about you through your word. So God, we love you. We need you, Jesus. It's not about us. This isn't about us, but Lord, would you move in our hearts as we bless your name and proclaim your goodness in this time of worship. God, we thank you that in uncertainty, Lord, we can turn to a certain God and a faithful God, and that's you. I pray this in your name. And once said, amen. Let's worship together. So great, we do serve a God who is ever present. He is our shelter. He is our refuge. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. God, you're so faithful. Storm, louder and louder. You're gonna 
Come on, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Just sing a little louder.
is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how I This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I Thank you.
message that we're in right now, God, it just, it's so perfect. You are so perfect, God. You know all things. And you're bringing everything together for your good. When things are stripped away, there is nothing else to run to but you, Jesus. And that is worth it all. To run to you. Nothing in this world matters, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Lord, for that, for your peace and your presence. You are so faithful each time and time again. We just commit these things to you right now and just prepare our hearts for your message right now. We just love you. We praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Amen. So good to worship with you guys. It's just an honor and a pleasure. And um, Let's just prepare our hearts as we move forward in our service right now. Amen. Water of Life, it's great to be with you. Uh, we hope you're having a fantastic weekend. Um, for those of you who are with us in Southern California, it feels like summer now, and it's probably great to be outside, even though some of you are still struggling to figure out how to do that and not be around all your friends and your family like you probably want to. For our friends out in Australia, we just want to say we love you guys too. We're so glad that you are tuning in with us this weekend. We hope Townsville, we love that you guys know how much we love you and we miss you guys. And um, it's great to hear from you. I know you guys are banding together and hanging out online. And so same for those of you who are in up, uh, from our Upland campus and from Rosina Ranch. And so, hey, uh, we are going to jump into the final week of our series on contentment. But before we do that... I just want to say welcome. Um, well, I welcome all the campuses. It's just good to be with you guys. As well, we may be uh, kind of connecting in a really unique way for the last several weeks. Here's what we know, that God doesn't stop moving. He doesn't stop connecting with people. 
And we hope you know that we love you guys. We miss you. And we hope that you're enjoying hearing from our staff and our leaders as we call and as we're trying to connect with you. And so we just want to say we're praying for you guys right now. We love you. And I don't think this series, even though we had it planned way before all this happened, I don't think this series could have come at a better time for us as we try to wrestle with what it means to be content. Um, and if you're with us last week, um, listen, we, we kind of set up this week because last week we said this, that less really is more. And the truth is, is so often we don't really believe that. In fact, what we're going to talk about this weekend is probably one of those things that we actually aren't sure that we actually believe in at all anyway. But let me start with this first. A few weeks ago when we talked about contentment, we talked about discontent and we said this, that awareness Awareness drives discontent. And we said that awareness of what we don't have and awareness of what others do have is one of those things that drives discontent. And I talked and I kind of shared about my boat story and people called me out and uh, it was great. I appreciate all of you guys calling me out. But here's the thing that we, that we didn't talk about. Discontent sometimes, discontent sometimes has something to do with something else that we are so afraid to talk about our awareness of what others don't have that we do have. Things like trials, things like pain, and things like suffering. And you might have caught already from the title of this message that we're gonna finish off our conversation around contentment, around suffering. Now, I don't know about you, but when you pull the straws about how you're gonna figure out who's gonna do messages, you don't wanna be the guy that pulls the message on suffering Anyway, I wasn't supposed to teach this message anyway. And as COVID happened, it just became my opportunity to share this message. So I want to say this in the forefront. I think there's something unique about this message that's super important for us because so many of us probably don't really understand that we don't really believe that suffering and suffering with a smile in a lot of ways could actually be a real thing. And that in suffering, that satisfaction could come to people like you and people like me. Now, Jesus had a little take on this. Um, and I want to say this in the forefront, and we'll come back to it in just a second, that the disciples, along with Jesus, never had any illusion that they wouldn't have suffering as part of their journey. Today in our world, we just think, hey, listen, more is better. I need to give myself more. I don't want to live without, and I shouldn't have loss. But Jesus has a little bit different take. And in fact, when he is kind of walking to the very last part and last season of his ministry, he says something to his disciples that I think is worth reading. He says this, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. And, you know, in the moment, it would have been really important because the disciples would have heard that and they would have, and all his followers, they would have heard that. And then something just a, just a, just a few months later happens. Jesus goes to the cross. The real cross, not just this fig, figurative one that, hey, listen, pick up your cross, die to yourself. Not, not that, a real cross. Then the miraculous happens that we celebrate at Easter. He comes back from the dead. And as he comes back from the dead, you can imagine what the disciples just realized. Because in Matthew 28, as he's leaving, the last thing that he says to them is go into the world to preach the gospel. But then he finishes by do, saying this, and do as I have commanded you. And in that moment, the idea of picking up their cross and following their savior their Lord, God in the flesh, following him to death would have been, wouldn't have been very too far from their minds. They're willing to give up whatever it took. And here's the thing. 
for you, for me, as we wander through this, because it's not going to be a popular conversation. It's something we don't talk about. In fact, when we talk about suffering, we usually talk about an empathy. And while there is empathy in this, and today and this weekend, I hope that you find some healing as we talk through what it looks like to suffer well. But here's the truth. The idea of not suffering never crossed the disciples' mind in that moment. They fully expected that it would be part of their journey. Now, here's what you and I think. I don't know about you, but in our house, there are rules, and then we try to make exceptions. Um, mostly the kids try to make exceptions um, because the parents are perfect in our home. So the kids don't ever have to make exceptions for the parents. The parents just have to make exceptions for the kids. And so one of the exceptions um, in our home is, or one of the rules, is that almost every night, and I say almost because there's exceptions, almost every night, our kids take a bath. And, you know, there are certain seasons, and for all you parents of young children out there, you'll, you'll get this. Uh, or maybe those of you who are kind of reliving your, you know, parenting young children again through your grandkids, you'll, you'll get this too. One of the things that happens in our home is this, is that um, they, our kids go through seasons where bath time is really fun, and then they go through moments where they never want to take a bath again. And they just kind of cycle in and through this thing. But the thing that's so funny is that so often our kids want an exception. They want to watch more TV or read a book or do anything but take a bath. They want to be and have an exception. And I think the thing that's true for me, and maybe it might be true for you, that we see, that you and I see the suffering as the exception in our life, not the rule. And Jesus and his disciples and the people that started this movement we call Christianity today would have never, ever, ever related to that idea. They would have said, suffering is part of my journey because somewhere in the suffering, satisfaction can be found. And we'll dig into that in just a minute. But see, what they understood that you and I oftentimes are forgetful of because our world around us tells us differently is that we don't see ourselves as dependent or in need See, these people that walked with Jesus, they had this radical experience. They walked with the Savior that they recognized that they need because his perfection helped them see their imperfection. See, today, so many of us walk around with this expectation that I am not that bad. I am generally good. We say things like this, right? I am generally good. I just happen to sometimes do bad things. And then we apply that to all of humanity. We say humanity by and large is generally good. I'm going to say something really unpopular right now. It's generally good, but sometimes there's some really not good things. And Jesus would say, hey, listen, I came not because you were good, but because you were broken. That from the beginning of time, brokenness, and we'll talk about what that brokenness started as. Your brokenness puts you in need of a heavenly father to rescue you through a savior. Because here's what we know. And the thing we don't really want to admit, and then I'll pray for us as we get into the text, that the lie of discontent is that what we have isn't enough and that pain is purposeless. Listen, almost all of us today have latched onto the idea that pain almost has no purpose. The truth is, deep inside, we know that's not true. We love the stories of overcoming because we know, we hear the stories of the character that it builds. I'm gonna pray for us right now. And then we're gonna talk about suffering and I realize that some of you have suffered a lot. 
And I don't want to make light of that in our week, or over this weekend, but I, I, what I do want to do is be honest about it. Stare at front and center because it's something we don't talk about that we need to talk about. We need to be honest about because in it there's freedom and there's life. And we're going to be a little bit of hope to some people out there too. So Heavenly Father, we just want to stop and say thank you. Thank you for the grace to walk through moments like this to face the hard things in life. Thank you that through the power of your son and through the life of his, his perfect life lived that was sacrificed and through your Holy Spirit, we can have moments where we allow you to shape or reshape and we can be honest. And we pray that you'd help us to do that today. In this moment right here, wherever we're at, when we're sitting at our computer or staring at our TV, that we would be honest, that we would take a self-inventory and be honest with you, our Heavenly Father, our Creator, Designer of the universe. We'd be honest about where we are, what we want to do with suffering, what we have done with suffering, what we should do with it in the future. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Probably the biggest question would be how do we suffer? For a lot of us, that looks like many different things. But around here, the things that we deal with a lot, this might be kind of hitting a little too close to home for some of you. But the truth is, this is, this is the truth, that infertility, loss of a pregnancy. I know a year ago, about a year ago, I came up here and I sat on this stage and talked to a room full of people and all of you and shared a man and I's story about losing a pregnancy. And the journey and the pain and the suffering that goes through those things. Some of you have, have done the unthinkable. Some of you have buried your children. Some of you have lost your parents, siblings. Some of you have lost a child that you raised. Some of you, loss and suffering has looked like the loss of your innocence, your financial stability, a relationship, for some of you, a marriage that you never thought would become unstable and the wheels fell off. But the thing that's so interesting, the thing I want to zero in on, the thing I want us to stop and talk about, not just the how we suffer, the thing that I want us to remember in this moment as we jump into Paul's text here in just a second is this, that God never says that he'll rescue us out of suffering, but instead he makes a promise to us that he won't leave us alone in that suffering. See, all the time, we get to pray with people here who are in their darkest, deepest, hardest moment. They walk into the front in an altar somewhere. They call our office. They come in for an appointment. And we get to pray with people in their darkest place. And one of the things that is so powerful for me is when I get to look somebody in the face and say, listen, God may not rescue you out of this cancer. He may not rescue you out of this divorce. He may not rescue you out of, he may not do what it is that you think you need and what you think you want him to do right now. But here's what he will do. And here's what makes him so great. And this is what I love. That he is loving enough and strong enough to not just rescue you from the suffering, but enter into it with you. To me. That makes him powerful. That makes him great. That makes him kind. That makes him gracious. That makes him loving. But the real question is, is why? Why do we suffer? Because we're going to see on the other side of this in just a second that everyone says suffer because in it, you're going to find satisfaction. You're going to find healing. You're going to find restoration. But why do we suffer? This is probably one of the biggest questions and we talked about it a few weeks ago. 
First, certainly because of sin, because we failed, because our humanity is broken, but also, listen, because God wants to shape us into the people he designed us to be. When we think that suffering should be the exception, not the rule, we begin to violate the very core principle of why we need God. That we, as humans, are broken. And we're in need of a savior. And some of you out there right now have never entertained that idea. Somebody told you, hey, come watch my church service. Come watch service with me. Listen, you need hope. Listen, you've never wrestled with the idea that generally speaking, people are broken and in need of something. Now here's the thing, we're gonna move on. And Paul kind of gives us some really interesting instructions. Paul, that at the early part of his life was a Jewish scholar who became a religious leader who early in his um, young life began to persecute Christians. In fact, we have, if you've been following us on the Wednesday night Bible studies, we talked through early on about how Stephen was killed and Saul was there and Saul was persecuting the church. Saul, who has a radical conversion to follow Jesus on the road to Damascus. That's Saul who becomes Paul, begins to write letters all across the Mediterranean world. And a little bit later, about 30 years after, 35 years after Jesus has gone to back to heaven, Paul writes a letter because he's getting ready to go to a place called Rome. He'd been trying to go to Rome over and over and over and over again. And Paul keeps finding affliction after affliction after affliction, suffering things, something to suffer about over and over and over again. And you might relate to him because he suffers a lot. But he begins to write a letter to prepare the people that he wants to meet while he's there. Some of them are Jews, some of them are Gentiles, but he's about 35 years after Jesus is gone and the church has started to grow in Rome and he wants to go, he wants to care for it because there's a couple things going on. Because people are starting to realize that the human condition needs God and needs grace. And the other thing is, is that some of these people have some questions about how is the new Jesus movement that we're part of work alongside of the Old Testament? How does this work, Paul? And so he begins to write to them, writes him a letter, tell him to get ready because he wants to come, but he can't come quite yet. And he says this, and it's gonna come up on your screen because he talks about suffering. And I wanna read it together. And I hope that you'll read this with me. It'll be up on your screen right now. and love for you to read it wherever you're at. If you read it out loud and just read this together. He says this, he says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Now, a lot of us have read that verse over and over and over again. And we're gonna come back to it in just at the very end of our time together because here's the thing. Suffering isn't just kind of exclusive to some people. Suffering includes everyone. And the thing that's so important for what Paul is saying here for you, for me, for this moment, for us to be honest and real about life is that suffering is both normal and necessary to which all of us would say, no. But Paul will also say this, and we'll read this as we close our time together in a few minutes, that suffering and love go hand in hand. That suffering is the place that you see what love is actually made from. Now, here's the hardest part for us. As we walk through suffering, we struggle to be real. This is all of us. This isn't just kind of some people. This is all people, right? Paul talks about it strengthening character when we, when we struggle and we walk through things that force us to be, have endurance. Talk about weakness. 
When he talks about character, the real question he's asking us is, who are we when no one's really around? Because if we're going to be honest with God, we've got to be honest about our strengths and our weaknesses. See, the thing is that we're going to stare struggling and make sense out of struggle, and we're going to make purpose and pain. We've got to get a couple of things right here. We can't run, we can't lie, and we can't hide. If we're willing to not run, not lie, and not hide, we can begin to take some steps towards what God wants to do with us. Because without authenticity, without us being transparent, if we're not honest, contentment will never, ever be possible. We will always see the pain as pointless. We will always see the suffering as a struggle, not as an opportunity for satisfaction and growth. So here's what I know about myself, and I'm going to assume that it's probably something that you relate to too, is that we love the appearance without the process. We all love the stories about people that come out on the other side. We love the hero stories. Most of us love watching those documentaries that are kind of like loosely based on a real story that somehow it's just magnificent and the character that they build out of, their, their trial is just fantastic. We love those stories. The underdog stories, the triumphant stories, we love all of them. But most of us don't actually want to be the person that goes through the trial. But what Paul is saying to us is this character doesn't happen without the trial. It doesn't happen without walking through it. What he's saying is, hey, this is, this is normal and it's necessary for character. To which all of us in Western culture today kind of go, no, nah, I'm good. See, it's kind of like this. Sometimes we think of suffering as you know, unnecessary. That the path of least resistance is the path that is right for me. And the truth of the matter is, is that we love the idea of the results of exercise, the results of having a good diet, the results of those things, but we don't really like the process to get there because it seems pointless. And so, in fact, sometimes we really like the way it makes us look and we'll just pretend that we look that way without actually looking that way. Here's what we don't like to admit. I know I certainly don't. That progress is made in the pain. Progress in your marriage, progress in your, in your finances, progress in your character, progress in your parenthood, progress in your business. And the thing of it is, is so often we have characterized progress, or excuse me, suffering as evil when it's not. Exercise is a perfect example. Oftentimes, exercise feels like suffering. But what it produces is good, and it inherently isn't bad. No question, I want to, I want to stop here for a second and say this. I realize that the truth of the matter is, is that there are some really evil things that happen that cause suffering. And I don't want to make light of those things. But the truth of the matter is that not all suffering, listen, not all suffering is evil. But what God does promise is that the evil suffering, he would redeem those things if we trusted him to make light out of them and replace the darkness. He promises that over and over and over to us. You know, the thing that's so interesting about discontent is that the greatest lie that we've ever been told, that we've told ourselves and that it will ever be told, is that more will make you and that isn't a new phenomenon. In fact, when you go back and read the creation accounts in Genesis, the actual account of the fall is a promise that if they took something and did what God asked them not to do, they would have more, more God-likeness, more wisdom. 
And they would know. And the thing of it is, is and I don't know if you this has been from the beginning of time, this thing that more is better, that loss is bad. But here's, what do we get to show for that? For living in this lie that more will make us better. We get more debt. We get more pounds we need to lose around our waist. We have more stuff, less purpose, less discipleship, and less being like Jesus, the more stuff and the more things that we have. I know that's not a popular conversation, but it's true. We'll talk about it in just a second. But the thing about suffering is that it produces tests so that we can gauge ourselves as to how we're doing and how God wants to train, teach, and grow us. Watch this for a second. And I know I'm touching on some sensitive stuff because some of you have suffered through real, real trauma. Some of you, as I say, suffer, as I say, pain, as I say, those things trigger things inside of you. I just want to say this, listen, we're here for you. We want to care for you. We don't expect you to make light of that. And we don't want to make light of it. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want to put some purpose in that and that there isn't purpose in it. But so often we are fearful of struggling. We're fearful of suffering and we miss the outcome of what God might want to do in us. James, the brother Jesus, James who would give up his life for his brother who he would later call his savior, writes a letter and he says this in James 1 verse 2, he says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for, get this, great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. The thing that, that, that he does there, and I, and I want to spend too much time here, but it's so important because the word that actually talks about joy, the great joy, that word actually comes out of the same root word as the word that we get for grace. And there's a moment here when he's trying to help people understand something. The pure, and the, the pure grace and the pure joy are all joy or all grace. Listen, so important. What James, brother of Jesus, is really saying is, hey, by the way, in the suffering, remember that it is full of joy. And here's how you remember that it's full of joy. And this word, listen, the kara is a gift. Like this is a, this is a, a gift of everything. I don't want to tease this out too much. But it's so important because of what I'm going to say in just a second that we get this idea. And when he's saying when opposition comes, we are being given a grace moment to remember the grace that was given us by Jesus. This is what you say. By Jesus' gift of grace to us. So take great joy. In fact, the word is have all joy because of the grace gift of the suffering that you're going to endure that Jesus is and will be enough for. See, I think the place that we come up short often, at least this is just my opinion. I don't want to say thus say the Lord. I just want, that, that, is that we don't want to admit this idea. And I think we like the idea of it, but I don't think we really want to embrace the whole idea of it. And I certainly didn't like writing this down, but I'm going to say it anyway. That discipleship, when we talk about following Jesus, we talk about making sense out of the pain and the struggle and the suffering. That discipleship, is the process of recognizing that all we have and all we are comes from him. And spending the rest of our lives is the most important thing that we could ever do 
doing whatever we can to give it back to him. Our time, our money, our talents, our resources, our families, everything, giving it back to him. And Jesus would start that by saying, hey, just just start with your neighbor. For some of us, that's the neighbor that we share a bed with. For some of us, that's the neighbor who lives next door, who looks nothing like anybody that we'd ever want to have living next to us. He says, start there, because there's tests that are coming to show you where you're weak. And this is what I think, if we're all honest, that these, are, these are things that are so important. Because God tests us to prove to us what we know. That's what you use a test for. Use a test, right? So you make sure that you fully understand where you stand in the process. So as we struggle, we're going to have tests. There's a test in all of this. We talk about that a lot here. So what does that look like? First, first, I think, uh, if we're really honest, we're going to get tested with power control and who is in control of our lives. Because power corrupts. Abraham Lincoln said, said it best. Nearly all people can stand adversity, but if you want to test a person's character, give them power. The power, control, money, and possessions will be where God, we just talked about that, where God will test us. Service, will we serve, give our time? Some of us are willing to give our money, but we don't want to give our time. We don't want to carve time out. We don't want to make sure and remind ourselves that our time belongs to him too. That our generosity, a reflection of him. Listen, generosity in every way, shape, or form, with our money, with our time, with our talent, with our resources. Are we generous? Because us being generous is a picture of him because he gave everything to be with us. So here's a question. A question that probably doesn't deserve me to preach at you. A question that doesn't probably deserve me to just kind of run into another conversation. Conversation maybe that you need to have when we finish this service. A question you need to write down in your Bible. A question you need to write down on a sticky note and stick it somewhere. Where am I being tested? Where are you being tested? I don't know where you're being tested. I, I know that on the regular I get tested. And I'm certain that it's like that for you. Because he's wanting to do something unique with you and I. This idea of discipleship, the thing, he doesn't want us just to make an, he doesn't want us just to suffer through this life. He wants us to be successful in it despite the suffering. This is the key. This is the thing that makes it so wild. When he walks with us, suffering isn't just suffering. Suffering can create success. And that success looks like people, like you, like me. Our neighbors being satisfied because they fully understand that they are loved by their heavenly father and that Jesus came to give them life. Peter, founder of the church, Peter, wrote this. He said in 1 Peter 4.13, another one of his letters as well. Instead, be very glad for these trials. Again, glad with trials, glad with trials. I know we're rolling our eyes at this point with this glad with trial stuff, but let me just say this to you. There's something that they figured out, and we'll read this in just a second. I'll mention this to you in just a second. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Listen, the goal isn't just to suffer. The goal is in survival. The goal is sanctification. Listen, there is one way that God has created a pathway for you to become more like him. Our calling, our response to his love offering, his life to us. Listen, and that is to do this. Find the road that he put in front of you and don't try to be on somebody else's road, be on yours. Here's why. 
Because when we wander from that road, we try to get in somebody else's road because that looks easier. The truth of the matter is, for some people, the road looks easier, but it's not. All of us are going to suffer. All of us are going to struggle. All of us are going to walk through this journey together. And it can be satisfying. The temptation is this, that some, the road over there looks easier. For some right there, the road looks easier. But the road isn't about being easy. The road is about breaking us of our idols, the things that we put in front of him, our heavenly father. There's something we need to do before we finish today, and we're not quite done yet. There's something we need to do, and that is this, to recognize that in moments like this, when we recognize suffering, and maybe you are in the middle of suffering, that we stop and we pray, that we stop and we praise, that we stop and we proclaim that God is good, that he still loves us, and he is with us. So we're going to do that today. We're going to do that right now because some of you need to do this. Just listen. Some of you just need to worship and respond because you know that God carried you through some suffering. And right now would be the perfect opportunity for you to stop whatever you're doing, like we're gonna do right now, and just celebrate that he carried you through some suffering and just say thank you. Some of us, some of us just need God to show us where he was in our suffering because it felt like he left us alone. And I say this a lot to people when I pray with them. I'm gonna say this to you right now because I think you need to ask it for yourself. Has there ever been a moment that God wasn't enough? You might not have felt him in the moment. He might not have showed up how you wanted him to show up. But is there ever been a moment where he wasn't sufficient for you? Listen, if, if, if you didn't feel like it, just be honest with him. But I'll tell you, I, I know in my life, there's never been a moment he wasn't sufficient. I might not have been sufficient. I might not have been submissive to what he wanted to do. But he was always sufficient. And some of you, some of you need to just believe for God to meet you in your suffering right now. Some of you are in the middle of it. Life is hard. You're in the middle of suffering. You're in the middle of loss. You're in the middle of grief. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But just a second, we're going to sing a song. And the words go something like this. That there's another in the fire standing next to me. Some of you just need to remember this today, that you've never been alone. You weren't alone in this past when you suffered. You're not alone right now in the present while you're suffering. And you are not alone as you journey in and try to figure out where God was in your suffering in the past. There's power. There's freedom in praising him. And let's do that. Heavenly Father, would you show us where you've been, where you are right now, and how you were with us in the suffering. There's a grace when the heart is undefined. Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be in this reckoning I know I will never be alone There is another in the fire 
nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between us. God, we do pray that we would let nothing stand between us and you as you ask us to journey through the hardships in life with joy, with peace, with hope. And belief that there's, that there's, some, there's some really good plans in our pain. That there is purpose in that stuff that you want to show us that we've never, ever, ever wrestled with. Will we do that right now? In Jesus' name. And everybody said, you know, one of the hardest things about pain, suffering, hurt, is that it requires what we said at the very beginning, being honest, but it requires us to do some inventory internally. It requires us to recognize this, that we often as humans suffer, that loss is part of the real journey, that we have limits and we are not limitless people, and that we are fully dependent on a God who created us and crafted us in his image in order to be whole and to be healthy, that we have to lean into him. There's some stuff that Paul learned as he suffered that I think would be good for us to finish walking through and we can understand. Because I think if we do, it'll help us respond a little bit different. Maybe right now as you're walking through suffering, maybe for the next time it comes, or maybe as a reminder of what to do again the next time you come. But these are things that Paul learned not to do. There's a couple of things that Paul learned not to do. First, he learned not to avoid. He, didn't, he chose not to lean into denial. He didn't try to avoid pain, but instead he chose to recognize it as a gift. Paul also chose not to, listen, blame. He chose not to blame others. He chose not to blame himself. He didn't try to absorb or deflect whatever was happening around him. He chose not to lean into the guilt and the shame but in fact leans into the grace over and over and over again. We read it in the letters that we have from him over and over and over again. He leans into the grace and the promise that Jesus gave, that he was sufficient. We'll read that in just a second. Paul also chose not to rationalize and intellectualize everything and lean into self-sufficiency. What he chose to do was to recognize the value of the suffering and his pain, to not make excuses for it, to look for the value and the lessons inside of it and believe that God was going to carry him through those moments as he faced death over and over, as he faced shipwreck, as he faced so many things that he stopped. And I can't even begin to, to frame up what he faced and he still said, I'm faithful. Paul also chose not to be distracted. See, when, when we suffer, when we're struggling, we look to be distracted. We lean into bad habits. Paul then chose not to lean into his old bad habits. Maybe you, like me, tried to lean into your old bad habits when you're struggling and you're distracted and make ourselves busy, overwork, overeat, overdrink, overshop. Listen, the last thing Paul had learned not to do and the thing we need to learn not to do is to become hostile, to lean into anger, to bury it, the hurt, the pain, the frustration. Because it will always come out in the end. 
And I could say this with confidence that Paul was okay because he says this, and I love this in 2 Corinthians 12. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away, my suffering. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weakness, pleasure. And in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, defying all, when I am weak, defying all normalcy, defying all the things that make sense, when I am weak, then he says, I am strong. There's something that Paul, that Peter, that James, they all understood. Each of them will ultimately give their life for the gospel, but there's something so important. They understood that supernaturally suffering can build a satisfied soul. That somehow through the suffering, our souls can become satisfied, but only if we walk in a supernatural way. It's a perplexing thing. It doesn't make sense, and it's not supposed to because it's supernatural. It defies the logic of these moments. See, the truth of suffering, the opposite of the lie of discontent, the truth of suffering is that God is enough and he always has been and he's in the pain. And in that pain, there is always great purpose. I'm gonna ask you to do something. We're gonna, we're gonna close right now. And I know a lot of you are at home. I know a lot of you maybe even out for a walk as you watch church. I'm not sure where you are, but would you do something with me? Would you just stand where you are right now? We're gonna read something together as we finish. And I wanna read it to you, but I wanna give you a chance to physically respond as you do this this weekend. Would you stand where you're at? I'm gonna read this because the thing of it is, is that, that God, <laughs> that there is purpose in our pain. And as we walk through this moment, I wanna help you remind, remember something that, that Paul, that Peter, that James, they understood this thing, right? They understood that they needed to rejoice when they suffered. They all said it over and over and over again. And they remembered and they said this, and this is where we left out at the beginning, that the truth of suffering is that God is enough. And in the pain, there's always great purpose. And it should lead us to this. And this is what Paul says in verse three. He says, rejoice, of that Romans 5 passage, rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance character and character strengthens our confident hope of this one thing, our salvation. And then he finishes by saying this, and it's gonna pop up at the bottom of your screen. If you wanna read it out loud with me, you can, because this verse is so important. I want us to finish by reading this together this weekend. As we finish this series, just think about this. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. See, for, for, for Paul, the, the conversation starts with suffering and ends with love. And he says, these things are connected because our Savior suffered to create love. And the middle of this journey is we become more like him. We're gonna suffer, but there is love and there's life and there's grace enough for you and the love and life and grace enough for me. And he said, would you lean in to that? Because in that, there's a supernatural phenomenon that will happen that you will find in the suffering that your soul can actually 
and needs to be satisfied. For a lot of you right now, you're not sure what to do because you haven't thought a lot about your suffering and it's been significant. So we're here, there's even pastors on the phone right now you can call if you want to at Water of Life. We just want to journey with you. Our chat pastors are there right now. More than that, we want to say this. Don't walk away from the pain, walk through it. That journey is being put in front of you and it was given to you to to build character and help you have hope that you could give hope to other people. There is purpose in the pain. And we might not be in pain right now, but here's what we all know. Someday we will. And when we lean into these moments, remembering that he wants to cure our disappointment and give us hope through his and only his love. Heavenly Father, we need to fully get our heads and our hearts around that idea. And it may take the rest of this lifetime to do that, but that in suffering, our hearts can be supernaturally satisfied. But God, will we not miss that middle part, that the supernatural part we would recognize is something that we cannot create on our own. We have to lean into you to trust that. Would you touch us? Would you fill us? Would you gift us? And understanding through your Holy Spirit and the power and the authority and the ability to walk through the things that you've placed in front of us, the marriage stuff, the money stuff, the lost stuff, and the purpose and the joy that we've been looking for for so long. Thank you that it's in the middle of all this too. And we trust it to you, believing that what you have for us is way better than the failure that we thought it could be. But we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend. So we know that this, this series as a whole is very timely for our culture, for our church, for our, our society. But maybe this week, this message was even more timely for some of you specifically. And if that's you, like Pastor Shane said, we wanna pray with you, we wanna walk with you. I said this in the announcements that, that life and church and, and community is not meant to be done alone. And especially suffering, especially hard times that we endure are not meant to be done alone. So if you need prayer, you need someone to follow up with you, someone to be there with you, to, to be in your mess with you and to, and to help you see God in it, um, you can call us at 909-463-0103 or if you're in the live chat or on Facebook, you can go for live prayer there as well. We wanna walk with you. We wanna care for you and your family in any way that we possibly can. But before uh, we're done with our service tonight, I just wanna remind you guys, um, if you're looking to do community, if you're looking to connect with a group of people, um, whether it's on Wednesdays, Saturdays, or Sundays, please check out wallupdates.com for our home church. And for you families that are interested in signing up your students, your kids uh, for Summer Spectacular this upcoming summer, prayerfully hoping that, that God makes a way, um, you can go ahead and text FOCUS to 818-818 or check out the website. But as always, wallupdates.com is the place to be to stay connected with us for all things that are happening at Water of Life throughout the week. Um, And we are so blessed that you guys joined us this weekend for another service of Water of Life Online. We'll see you next weekend for Mother's Day weekend, um, unless you join us this Wednesday for Wednesday night Bible study. But until then, we love you guys. Stay home, stay safe, and God bless. See you next week.